Hello everyone, I'm Cressida Cowell, author of How to Train Your Dragon, and I'm just popping in to tell you about my new book series, Which Way to Anywhere. It's a story about four children who discover that there are alternative worlds beyond our own, and that they can travel to them with the help of a magical map and a very special gift. Of course, this leads to epic, unexpected adventures. Which Way to Anywhere and its sequel, Which Way Round the Galaxy, are both available to buy now. Happy reading! This is a podcast from the children's radio station Fun Kids. Listen on DAB Digital Radio across the UK or online at funkidslive.com. Hey, this is Bex and this is the Fun Kids Book Club. Thank you so much for listening. We have got loads of stuff on the show for you today, including a chat with Michael Rosen and Dermot O'Leary. But first, it's my big book trivia question. Today's is this. In Roald Dahl's Matilda... Who does the Trunchbull throw over the fence? Is it A, Amanda, B, Hortensia, or C, Lavender? I will tell you at the end of the podcast, so keep on listening. First up, let's find out what happened when Connor chatted to Michael Rosen. Okay, so today at Fun Kids, I'm joined with Michael Rosen, children's novelist, poet, and former children's laureate. How are you, Michael? Great. Nice talking to you. And yourself. Michael, I have to ask, what is a children's laureate, and how do you get one? I'm very intrigued. Right, so uh, some years ago, uh, the poet Ted Hughes and the children's writer Michael Morpurgo got together and said, wouldn't it be great if uh, there was this kind of post, a bit like the Poet Laureate, to celebrate children's books. So for two years, there's a children's laureate who's a spokesperson for children's books everywhere in the UK. So at the moment, it's Cressida Cowell, how to train your dragon and she's got a kind of 10 point program to promote books love of reading and so on in the past it's been people like quentin blake and fine michael morpurgo himself and we've each tried to promote say libraries or uh, doing poetry off by heart that was julia donaldson um anthony brown who did the gorilla books um anthony brown promoted uh, drawing Chris Riddell did that sort of thing as well um, so we've each promoted children's books in different ways and I uh, very much was very keen one of the things I did was to promote children's books for fun yeah of course well this is the thing isn't it you're very much interested in allowing kids to read funny books and really getting that across why do you feel it's so important for children these days to be reading humorous books Well, I'd say I'm happy and delighted and love the idea of children reading anything and everything. Of course, It's just that one of the nice things about funny books is they sort of almost, they're a bit like, almost infectious. They're almost like catching a cold that we, we get it and then we giggle it and enjoy it and then pass it on to someone else. And in my experience, I've found that that's a great way to get particularly younger children reading. So talk to me about the awards then. What sort of for you? What is it you look for in the books? What is it that you want to sort of um, see from the from the entries and the people that are trying to win the awards? What is it that you look for in a humorous book? Well, I sometimes think that there are some books that have funny bits in, and they may be great, brilliant books, but it's not quite a funny book. Uh, for me, a funny book is one that gets you laughing quite early on. And also the main kind of plot line is something that's funny. 
um, you know, famously, we know, obviously, David Walliams, Roald Dahl himself, um, and other people, but say a writer like Jeremy Strong, uh, he's somebody who's written funny books. That the, the, the gags go on through the book. Somehow or other, it lasts. Quite often I've read books, and I say there may be really good books that have a sort of funny idea at the top, at the beginning, but maybe it doesn't carry through. So I, I'm always looking for the sort of the funny stuff to last for the whole book. Well, thank you very much for popping on, Michael. Well, it's been lovely talking to you, Connor. Thank you very much to Connor and to Michael Rosen. Now it's time to welcome into the studio my fun kids book club expert, Imogen. Hello. How you doing? Yeah, good. How many books do we have today? Three books. Excellent. Tell me all about them. Okay, the first one is Emma Carroll, The Somerset Tsunami. I've interviewed Emma Carroll before. She's lovely. She is lovely. Mm. Uh, and she is known as the queen of historical fiction. She is indeed, yeah. And this is no different. This is a book all about a girl called fortune sharp and she carves a boat from a tree with her brother Jem and she's only having a bit of fun but um it's not the time in in the universe to be drawing attention to yourself as a girl anyway and she is sent away to find work dressed as a boy because girls don't really work um but the boys do and luckily a manor house is hiring because they're super rich and they need all the workers so uh this manor house is called barrow hall and its inhabitants have lots of dangerous dark secrets there is a suspicious owner hunting for witches and the house is really close to the sea and there is a suspicious grimly named dr blood who is he and what is Susanna hiding and what is going on that is all the questions that you will encounter in the book <laughs> so many questions and more and it's a really really great book um it's got wonderful characters it's got mystery it's got questions it's got all the things that you want from a book it- especially coming up to october and it's a bit a little bit creepy but not hugely creepy but I was going to say, it seems yeah. a bit magical, a bit nice for autumn, like to sit down yes. and just like relax and just read a little yeah. like cosy book. Get yourself in a corner with a with a blanket and a cup of hot cocoa <laughs> and uh, dive into the past. You sound almost as historical as Emma Carroll's books do. Wow. Exactly. That All was right. my point. Uh, what is next? Next is In the Key of Code by Amy Lucido or Lucido. We're not sure. Mm. Uh, and she might be of the Italian heritage. Um, and this is a really, really interesting book. This is a book about a 12 year old called Emmy who moves school uh, in San Francisco and she feels really out of sorts really out of place there And uh, but in her computer science class it's taught by a really great teacher called Miss Delaney and she discovers that music is the key to uncovering like the secrets of coding uh, so it helps her in class and she loves music um, and she finds a friend called Abigail who um kind of goes with her on this kind of journey and falling in love with programming and computer science um, and she starts to feel like she belongs and what's really really interesting about this book is it's told in poem oh wow so each page or each kind of mini chapter is uh, a poem and um a poem or a song kind of because it's it weaves, music, it yeah, weaves sure. the music and basically it just weaves in music and poetry and coding which are all what um the author amy lucida really loves um and it's just it's really fascinating read um 
and I would recommend it. Uh, can also, I borrow that from you, please? Of course you can. And That's because, awesome. And because of the way it's written, it's actually really enticing and really quite easy to read. Um, it's one of those books that you uh, you can proudly like put your bookmark halfway through. Yeah. Because I imagine you read it very quickly because there's a lot of white space on the page, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Like sometimes the poem, the pages are just like two lines, which Brilliant. is really, really great to read. Um, and... Yeah, it's just, I've never seen anything like no. it before. Um, so definitely go out and grab yourself a copy of In the Key of Code. I'm going to grab your copy of In the Key of Code. No, you, can, you can have it, Excellent, yeah. Excellent, cheers. Uh, what have you got next? The next is a story called Tin Boy by Steve Cole. This is a story all about um, kind of mining for tin. So tin is used in a lot of things mm-hmm. in the world because it's used for soldering... Tins. Tins, yeah. And it's used in a lot of technology and things because it's used as solder for circuit boards that make things work. But uh, the tin uh, is produced at a huge cost to the environment and people who mine it. And that's what the author, Steve Cole, was really interested in. And he wanted to kind of bring this to the people and make people aware through story. So this story is um, kind of like a true story. The place it's set uh, called Banker Bellatung is a real place. Um, and so is the kind of scenario of illegal miners and awful conditions and poverty and things that happen in the world that's true but the actual story of the protagonist tono is obviously made up by steve so it tells the story of tono who is a miner for tin and it's all he's ever known he's always been a miner um and he is worked by his uncle um every day and his only escape is reading his dad's old comics and that's his favorite thing to do and he has in this world of heroes and superpowers and comic books he can forget all about all the mining in his day-to-day um troubles with that um but one day there is an underwater avalanche and there is a glimpse of something bright red in the seabed it's a rhyme for you (laughs) and um tono's life kind of changes forever um and it's a really really fascinating read it's an easy read it's quite small isn't it it's quite small the writing's quite big but it tells a really powerful story and it packs a punch all right so brilliant that is tin boy that is in the key of code and that is the somerset tsunami yes it is excellent stuff thank you for that we also need to chat about the book club book club the book club book club which i feel like we need a jingle for yeah we're still looking for a jingle yeah for we one. need a jingle so this uh this month we've been reading louisa shah's holes we have now for me it was a reread of this book yes and for me and i had forgotten how much i loved it yes me too it's I, so great. It's such a... So if you haven't read the book, basically, it's a story of Stanley Yelnats. The third. And his uh, family history, almost, as yeah. well. So you're kind of going back and forward in time. Yeah, so it tells the story of Stanley Yelnats, his dad, Stanley Yelnats, who is an inventor, and all of his inventions go wrong all the time, and they're quite poor because he is putting all his money into these inventions that don't go right, um, of... Stanley, who is convicted of a crime he didn't commit. Stealing some trainers, right? Stealing trainers. Yeah. He gets sent to a camp called Camp Green Lake, where there isn't a lake. And it's run by a warden who has kind of an almost... You can tell she's got something else going on in her mind other than making these boys good again. Because the boys, every day, they have to dig holes. That's where the the story comes from, yeah. They have to dig a five-by-two hole every day and report whatever they find in the hole. So clearly she's looking for something. Yeah, and at that camp, he meets a boy called Zero. And um, 
You also hear a story, a legend of kissing Kate Barlow, and all these characters kind of are weaved together really, really cleverly by Louis Sachar. And it kind of builds, doesn't it? It builds so well. And by the end of it, it's, it's so clever the way everything comes together. And I don't want to give the game away because it's almost like spoiler alert if I say too much. But it is amazing how um, the past and the present is is reunited as one and the characters, everybody gets what they they deserve, I would say. Yes. And all these kind of different stories from each of the characters, like, it's almost like five or six stories, really. In the end, without giving too much away, it's just one story. Yes. It's one story of a family and it's it's wild it's so good I remember the first time I read Holes I I think it was a time when I wasn't reading much in general mm-hmm. and I was a bit bored of books to be honest and I picked up this book and I was like oh I guess I'll give it a go and it got me back into reading again actually so I would I would definitely give it five stars or five bexes out of you know five, five. bexes yeah five bexes yeah. out of five um, I loved Louisa Charles Holes if you're feeling like a little bit bored of books at the moment this is the perfect one to get you back in it's a proper page turner and it's a real it's a big adventure but it's also got massive heart to it as well yeah there's so much character in there and um, the characters are all really imaginable they're so real in your mind um, and the way that Louis Sachar writes it's just so engrossing yeah definitely so yeah five bexes five, five bexes. What can I do? Hearts. Oh, surname's Hearts. Yeah, there you Imagine go. Hearts. Lovely. There's five hearts from me. Um, yeah, definitely go and grab it if you haven't already. And if you have read the book all this month with us, let us know what you thought. Yeah, drop us a line. Go to funkidslive.com, find the book club page, or leave a little comment on the podcast page, wherever it is you subscribe your podcast from. Yes, and we need a new book to read for the next month, Bex. Oh, yeah, we do. And this book is The Sandman and the Turtles by Michael Morpurgo. Oh, I've never heard of that book before. Me neither. I've heard of Michael Morpurgo. Yeah, of course you have. Yeah. So this book um, has been assigned to us by the Fun Kids bosses. Okay. Oh, thanks, and, bosses. Um, they want us to read The Sandman and the Turtles. All I know is that it's about two children who go on holiday to the Welsh coast and that it's meant to be very good. All right, well, we'll try and find a copy of it, I suppose. So we better go and find one and start reading. Excellent. Uh, brilliant. Uh, thank you very much, Imogen. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Lovely. <laughs> next up on the book club, we're going to chat to Dermot O'Leary about his brand new book in the Toto the Ninja Cat series. So I'm joined by Dermot O'Leary. Hello. Hey, Bex, how are you? I'm good. How are you going? Very good, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for chatting to us. Oh, you're, you're welcome. Um, I really, really loved your book. I read it and absolutely adored it. It was brilliant. Thank you. Uh, it was fab. Yeah, uh, so we should tell the listeners, I suppose. It's Toto, the Ninja Cat and the Superstar Catastrophe. That's right. Uh, can I ask a first question? Was Johnny based on anyone you knew? It was kind of, yes. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I wanted. Uh, Johnny's kind of based on a few people I've met down the years from through TV and probably... Uh, more often radio um, and yeah and, and uh, yeah kind of slightly egotistical uh, self-obsessed rock star <laughs> now I would say that, that the, the vast majority of, of rock stars that I have met and, and people in music are, are lovely so it's based on a very small proportion of people I've met Oh my goodness, I'm going to be betting with myself who it might be now. <laughs> uh, so in the book, you've got Toto, and to be fair, she's worked quite hard, so she's off on a break to a festival. This is exactly it. So this is the third book, and the first two books that um, Toto has realised that um, not only is she a ninja, but she's um, her calling is to work for Larry the 10 Downing Street Cat, who is head of the UK branch 
of the ancient order of international cat ninjas. So every world leader has a cat. And uh, the cats are there. They think the cats are there just to, you know, uh, look after their houses and sure. make sure they, um, you know, there's no mice around or whatnot. But actually, all cats for every world leader are part of the ancient order of the international cat ninjas to make sure the humans don't do anything stupid through their mantra of purrs, paws and claws. <laughs> so if purrs don't work by lowering the heart rate and making sure that no one presses any stupid buttons, then uh, then they have to use, uh, if the purrs don't work, they have to use paws. Um, if the paws don't work, then they have to use claws to make sure all the human world leaders just, you know, are functioning and they don't do anything. Don't be silly. silly. Exactly. Sure. So Toto, it transpires, is Larry's deputy. So she, uh, so now she's kind of solving crimes and, and helping Larry kind of keep the animal population of, of the UK safe. And she's had a couple of like massive adventures in the first two books. And the third book, she takes a little bit of time off. And she thinks she's going to have a couple of weeks of R&R and relaxing and cleaning and sleeping and eating. And her best friend, Catface, who is um, a rat with uh, species identity issues who identifies as <laughs> a cat. Yes. So um, who's a very dapper cat who I've kind of based a combination of um, Stephen Fry, um, John Burkow, the, the, the Speaker of the House of Commons, and my friend Ollie Brack. And, um, and Catface has got them tickets to Catstonbury, which is the animal, um, annual animal music festival uh, somewhere in the West Country. So uh, run by otters. So they're going down there for the weekend, which they think is going to be nice and chilled, and of course it isn't at all. Well, that's exactly it, because really, Toto, poor Toto, deserves a break, and uh, she ends up doing loads more work, really. <laughs> exactly. It turns out uh, her arch-nemesis, um, who is a, 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 an old ninja uh, called Archduke Ferdicat, who uh, was a member of the ancient order of um, the ninja cats, but then decided that cats should rule the world. Now, the interesting thing is that everyone kind of agrees with him, uh, but um, he's he's very militant in how he wants to go about it. He's so, gone rogue. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Everyone acknowledges that cats are the superior species in the world, uh, but they, everyone, you know, they, 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 most cats are kind of a bit more live and let live, whereas Archduke Ferdicat wants the, wants the cats to take over the world. So she has to stop him because he's uh, ingratiated himself with this... Uh, with this rock star called uh, Johnny and the Shorthairs, um, uh, Johnny, who's lead singer of Johnny and the Shorthairs, and through them he intends to take over the world. Was it quite fun to imagine a festival for cats? Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it wasn't too much of, a, of an extrapolation. Just I sort of, yeah, I've been through a lot of festivals, and, and Glastonbury's such a great festival. That, to be honest, it's a good question, Bex, because that's actually how I've probably had most fun envisaging a, this wonderful animal world that it we seems all it. we all kind of buy into with our pets anyway, don't we? We all kind of have this kind of secret life of pets in our head you know where the I mean I remember that great show a couple of years ago was it the secret life of cats or something where oh they, sure they found cats that just you know go five miles away and the, and the owners are like where, what what are you talking about they go further than I do what's I, I just happening? thought he was asleep <laughs> What we do on Fun Kids is we do a kind of author quick fire round of questions. Yeah, yeah, great. Just to get a feel for who you are as an author, if that's well, okay. God, really? No, I mean, no pressure, but I will judge you for every answer. <laughs> Sounds like there's pressure. <laughs> First one, easy and gently, is uh, books or Kindles? Oh, books, 100%. There you go. Every author says the same thing straight away. Heroes or villains? Ooh. Heroes to live with, villains to write. Oh, good answer. Um, Arsenal or Celtic? Oh, that's tough, but Arsenal. Okay. Film adaptation or TV adaptation? I'd say TV, just because you can flesh it out more. Okay. If you're a milk bar, do you go for oat milk or almond milk? Neither. Neither. But if I have to, I'd probably go for oat milk. Yeah, me too. Hogwarts or Narnia? Ooh, Hogwarts. Hogwarts. Laptop or write by hand? I mean, if you send me write by hand, or to be fair type, you'd realise that this is, like, neither are great choices for me. (laughs) 
but I would say probably type, even though I prefer to write by hand, but my handwriting's atrocious. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Roald Dahl or Jacqueline Wilson? Uh, Roald Dahl. Glastonbury or Latitude? Ooh, I'd say Glastonbury because it's a daddy. Okay, presenting or writing? 50-50. Oh, I'm going to give you that, okay. Do you write nine to five or do you write whenever you fancy? No, I write in the morning. Um, I'm a lark, I think, when it comes to writing anyway. First things first. Okay, uh, Toto or Silver? Oh, what? Yeah, that's really hard, sorry. <laughs> I'm not even going to answer that. <laughs> okay, fair, fair play. Wait, hang on, you're literally asking me which of my cats I prefer. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just I just going to see if I could catch you out, you know. Yeah, no. uh, Paddington Bear or Winnie the Pooh? <sighs> Paddington Bear. Book festival or music festival? Oh wow! Mm. Can I have both? Uh, y- yeah, I'll give you I'll give you both. But the last one is the one I'll judge you on the most. So oh, think no. think carefully about this one. This oh, is no. the biggie. Okay. No, 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 no. Salt and vinegar or cheese and onion? Oh, cheese and onion. Oh no. Unless oh. unless it's on chips, and then I, I, I want I, I want neither cheese nor onion anywhere near my chips. Well, then, sure, uh, yeah. Then I'm a salt and vinegar guy, but in crisps, cheese and onion. Well, we had a good run, Dermot. That was fun. <laughs> but we're done now, are we? Well, no, I'll give I'll give you that because the book is so good, so it's okay. I'll let you off. Uh, so, Dermot, we should say um, everybody should go and get the book. It is out right now. Thank you. I hope you enjoy it. Toto, the Ninja Cat, and the Superstar Catastrophe. Go and get it in bookshops. And now, how about a little reading from Dermot? And a jolt from the giant locomotive awoke her. She sat bolt upright, the sun now long gone, replaced by a cloudless moonlit sky, which illuminated the cabin and made it easy for her to get her bearings. Rubbing the sleep from, from her eyes, she glanced over at the other bed in the berth, where she could just make out the shape of her brother, curled around his own bushy tail, fast asleep and snoring gently. No waking you, belly full of milk, I imagine, she thought. She laid back in her bed and tried to drift off again looking out the window, up at the ceiling and around the cabin. She could make out the shadowy shapes of the beautiful iron luggage rack above her, the white porcelain based, the white porcelain wash basement, and in the corner of the room, the tall hat stand that... Wait a minute, she thought. There was no hat stand there when I came to bed. The ninja leapt out of her bed just in time as the hat stand came to life and brought a lethal wooden rolling pin crashing down, missing Toto by a hair's breadth and smashing the bedside lamp. The hat stand, which is now obvious to Toto, wasn't a hat stand, but actually a gigantic Siberian cat, looked down and sneered. I'm the ticket inspector, and it looks like you don't have a valid one to be on this train. He cackled and took another swing at Toto's head. Once more she evaded the blow and dived across her brother's head, accidentally landing with one foot on his head. Although she knew she had to think of something fast, she was momentarily distracted. How in the world was Silver still asleep she just landed on his head was now standing with one paw in his ear and he was still snoring away like he was back in his basket back home oh i heard you were fast but come on where are you gonna run to the gigantic cat said my boss says you have to get off this train so be a good girl let me crack you over the head with this rolling pin and chuck you out the window so we can all get on with our evening the hench cat grumbled the window toto thought that's my chance In these close quarters, Toto knew she could hardly use any of her ninja moves, but she had windows and walls to bounce off, and sometimes that's all a ninja needs. Her assailant approached her menacingly, thinking he had a cornered. He raised the rolling pin to deliver the deadly blow. Just as the wooden bat was about to make contact with Toto, she used her still sleeping brother as a springboard and pushed him safely off with her hind legs, launching herself through the cabin and out of harm's way as the rolling pin connected harmlessly with the fluffy pillow. The lumbering henchcat had made a big mistake, using his full weight of his body in the blow. Sensing a chance, she jumped up to the window, deftly unlocking it, 
and opening it. And then she pushed off once again towards the hench cat. And before he knew what had hit him, she hit him right in the jaw. The blow sent him bouncing off a wall, spinning right around, so he faced the open window. He was dizzy and dazed, so a, so a simple kick at the bottom sent him screaming, tumbling out into the verge below. Sorry to disappoint you. It's not my stop yet. Toto called out to him as he, she closed the window, feeling very pleased with herself. She looked around to see Stilver on the floor, still snoring his head off. <sighs> I wish someone would have been awake to hear that, she muttered. Thank you very much to Dermot O'Leary, to Michael Rosen and Timogen for popping by the Fun Kids Book Club podcast today. I think I need to tell you the answer to the big book trivia question. Today's was, in Matilda, who does the trunchbull throw over the fence? Was it Amanda, Hortensia or Lavender? Well, I can tell you the answer was A, Amanda. It was Amanda Thrip and her pigtails, if you got the answer right. Congratulations, you are a roll doll. Super fan, give yourself a pat on the back. I'll be back really soon with more Books in the Book Club podcast. And remember to tell all of your friends about this podcast. Rate, review and subscribe wherever it is you get your podcast from. See ya. So that was a podcast from the children's radio station Fun Kids. Listen on DAB Digital Radio across the UK or online at funkidslive.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Cressida Cowell, author of How to Train Your Dragon, and I'm just popping in to tell you about my new book series, Which Way to Anywhere. It's a story about four children who discover that there are alternative worlds beyond our own and that they can travel to them with the help of a magical map and a very special gift. Of course, this leads to epic, unexpected adventures. Which Way to Anywhere and its sequel, Which Way Round the Galaxy, are both available to buy now. Happy reading!